0: We begin this evening with Operation Green. 75 years ago, in the summer of 1940, Adolf Hitler's general staff drew up detailed plans for an invasion of Ireland. The Nazis, intoxicated by their military victory in France, considered themselves unstoppable and were determined to press their advance into Britain and Ireland. In this report, Mark McMenamin explores just how serious the Nazis' Irish occupation plan was and whether or not it could have actually happened.
1: Uh, We have these books here. What we have are the originals in German. They are military geographical data on Ireland.
2: This is Commandant Daniel Ayotis, the officer in charge of the Irish military archives.
1: This one is of west and north coast. They're marked with different notations, as you can see. This collection here of maps was found uh, in Luftwaffe HQ, Bavaria this one is marked invasion plans taken from German lieutenant who's not named
2: He and I are looking through original copies of Fallgruen, or Operation Green the planned Nazi invasion of Ireland during the Second World War
1: In studying these documents, one is immediately struck by the fact that they were compiled and published at a period of intense German military activity. The fact that they were prepared during this period of intense activity in 1940-41 shows clearly the inclusion of Irish territory in German proximate strategic intentions.
2: Operation Green was a full-scale operations plan for a Nazi takeover in Ireland in order to provide a springboard for future attacks against the United Kingdom.
1: Okay, what we have here are topographical maps that are part of this collection. As you can see they're in color, they're quite detailed. They detail the, the geological conditions along from Mizenhead up as far as Carnsore Point, in this map stretching uh, up as far as the mouth of the Shannon in the northwest.
2: According to Captain Iotis, there was a view in some quarters that the plans had a wider scope than similar invasion plans for other countries.
1: So included in these documents are a military estimate um, of Ireland, and uh, the following quote is interesting. Uh, Facilities for landing are in general satisfactory or better in all parts of the coast. The central east coast and portions of the southeast corner are the most unfavourable except where built harbours exist. Parts of the northwest coast, with its many islands, are also unsuitable. From the point of view of the possibility of rapid penetration into the interior, some favourable approaches present themselves, and then it goes on to list various approaches. And that's quite categorically and unapologetically militaristic language. It's language of of military planning and and military invasion. I don't think there can be any doubt about that.
2: German interest in Ireland during the war must be understood in the context that Ireland was one of many invasion plans at this time. Amongst others were the United Kingdom and Russia. But just how credible was the threat to Ireland during this period? It's a question I put to Eunin O'Halpin, Professor of Contemporary Irish History at Trinity College Dublin.
3: There were various iterations of German plans uh, to invade Ireland. Mostly they're characterised by being done in haste, by being done with very little accurate information, the danger posed by these kind of plans isn't so much that they would have, could have been operationalised, but that the British would become aware of them and say, my God, the Germans have plans to do this. My God, the Germans have, have sources of information in Northern Ireland, for example, about where are suitable landing sites and all that kind of thing. So the threat of these invasion plans much more lies in the fact that they might become known, particularly to the British, than necessarily that they were operationally feasible.
2: Ultimately, it can be said that the Germans' focus was on Russia and the United Kingdom during this period. And Ireland may have only been attacked as a diversionary tactic.
3: The romance almost of a German invasion and the prospect of it, it sounds exciting. It would have been, practice, would have been extremely difficult to do. How do you get German soldiers to Ireland? How are they going to fly aircraft, troop-carrying aircraft over Britain? It would have been a disaster. How are they going to get uh, troop-carrying ships to Ireland? There's just no way, because the Royal Navy is too powerful. So I don't think in practice there was ever a credible threat of a substantial German invasion of Ireland other than as a feint.
2: In any case, the border may have actually been an asset to Ireland during this period, as there were a large number of British troops stationed in Northern Ireland. Speaking on RTE Radio in the 1970s, Colonel Dan Bryan, the then Director of Irish Military Intelligence, outlined just why this exactly was the case.
3: There was an understanding as to what would happen if the Germans came in. It's quite obvious, you see, that there was large British forces in Northern Ireland whose purpose was the defence, not of Northern Ireland, but of the whole of Ireland but I think there's no use blinking about the fact it's it's generally admitted now that there was an understanding that there would have been cooperation and that there was some understanding as to the methods and the plans for the cooperation.
0: From the RTE radio archives, the voice of Dan Bryan, ending that report from Mark McMenamin on Operation Green, the planned Nazi invasion of Ireland during World War II. And to talk a little bit more about this, historian and author Mark McMenamin joins me now. Mark, the Irish Army's Director of Military Intelligence, we heard from him there, Colonel Dan Bryan, is one of the big unsung heroes of this period. Take us back. First of all, to the years leading up to the outbreak of World War II. Did um, Brian see that there could be a Nazi threat to Ireland at that stage?
2: Yeah, well, indeed, Dan Bryan is one of the greatest unsung heroes of this entire period. And he plays a very fundamental role in equipping Ireland to effectively mount somewhat of a decent defence coming up to the 1930s when, you know, the clouds of fascism are rising in Europe. There's a kind of a general assumption in the army. Some people aren't kind of with it in terms of the threat of Mussolini and the threat of Hitler. And even in some quarters, there's kind of a nonsensical idea that my enemy's enemy is my friend the germans might help us get back northern ireland you know maybe these guys could be okay and the army is very much split in this and you have to remember that this is 20 20- 30 odd years after the War of Independence, and a lot of the guys in situ are veterans of that war. So there's this perception there, but Dan Bryan is the one person who sees the woods from the trees. He sees the threat that's looming, and he pens a memorandum, a document that's uh, circulated throughout the Irish Army, and it's called Fundamental Factors Affecting Irish Defence. And this is a groundbreaking document where he outlines very clearly how vulnerable Ireland is in terms of strategic defences. And, you know, you have to look at the context coming up to 1940. Look how easily France was invaded. The the French Third Republic was weak, you know, and Britain uh, itself was having its own difficulties as well. So, you know, he's very much cognizant of that. He sees what's going on and he manages to persuade people in charge in the defense forces this filters through to government level and people start taking the situation seriously and and very very important strategic plans are put in place then modeled on the response to the first world war by the british government they they build on that to guard against any oncoming invasion that may happen now it could happen from many quarters it could be a german invasion there could also be a, a preemptive british invasion or, or an american one to thwart a german invasion so ireland in a sense is extremely vulnerable at this period
0: Now, the Germans had two varieties, I suppose you could say, a fifth column in place. The first was, and the the largest, and I suppose most significant was the IRA. But they also had, and we'll talk about them in a minute, they also had a number of spies operating in Ireland. How important a component would they have been of any invasion?
2: Well, the German spies, there was quite a number of them. I suppose the most famous or infamous is Hermann Goertz, who who was on the loose here for well over a year. They were sent over for various reasons to make a connection and to establish a link with the IRA. Now, at this particular period, the Germans kind of falsely believed that the IRA were this kind of rising force, similar to the resistance in France, a well-organized, formidable force that can rise and aid them, you know, kind of help from within but th- this isn't the case very they're very disorganized there's a lot of infighting there's a there's various splits the actual chief of staff of the ira sean russell he he's made his way to germany and there's a, a guy in charge called stephen hayes and stephen hayes isn't exactly um shall we say the best kind of a leader and, and things are kind of ragtag the german spies are sent over with various communication codes they use hand-based ciphers so they write their messages and they can send them out through the post And, you know, some of these coded messages are sophisticated enough to beat postal censors that Irish military intelligence have put in place. So uh, their threat is quite substantial because they are taking account of uh, weather patterns, which are very, very important in terms of planning a military invasion. So uh, these guys are, are very dangerous. Some of them are quite incompetent. But the fact that they're there poses a problem to the Irish and the British.
0: And tell us a bit more about arrangements between the Nazis and
2: the IRA there's a couple of plans that they had in place. Obviously, Operation Green, which we talked about. They also have Plan Kathleen, which is a proposed invasion of Northern Ireland. So, in essence, they're going to use the IRA to create political instability in Northern Ireland. And, and this was main the main plan that Hermann Goertz was sent over to try and help instigate within the IRA. So, to create instability using the IRA in Northern Ireland, to give the Germans the excuse to come in and invade, then saying we're basically coming in to free Ireland. So, all these plans, they don't really come to fruition. And... During this period, Dublin is like a microcosm of the war. Uh, You have various active embassies. You have the active German embassy, the active Japanese embassy, and the active Italian embassy, and all of these are being monitored because by this stage, G2, with the help of Dr. Richard Hayes, have broken the communication codes of a lot of these uh, embassies, and they're able to listen in to the diplomatic cables that are going back and forth. And they've rerouted them as well via Washington, so the Allies know what's going on in Dublin, and they have kind of a, a window in to... the secret diplomatic world there. So Ireland, Dublin in particular, is very strategically important in this regard. And it's through those communications that they learn of Operation Green. And was it the case that the Germans actually thought that they could
0: use Owen O'Duffy, the leader of the Blue Shirts, as a conduit to the
2: IRA? Yeah, well it just shows you kind of how much the the Germans actually knew about the situation in Ireland here, the political situation. The original German spy or intermediary that, that comes over here is a guy called Oscar Fau, and he comes over here via the hook of Holland there and he comes over to Hollyhead. He arrives in Dublin seeking out Owen O'Duffy to see if Owen O'Duffy will put him in contact with the IRA. <laughs> so he does meet Owen O'Duffy and uh, Owen O'Duffy basically gets him to Get lost, I think, as quick as possible. But eventually he, through hook or crook, does make contact with the IRA and eventually is brought to a meeting in Clontarf with Sean Russell and the IRA Director of Munitions and Chemicals, uh, a, a man called Jim O'Donovan. And uh, it's through that connection then that they are able to set up transmitters and um, establish this link between Nazi Germany and the IRA. Now,
0: we heard in the report about how invading Ireland would have actually been to some extent impracticable because of there were a lot of of practical difficulties but there must have been a feeling of vulnerability in Ireland at the time at the expectation of a Nazi invasion.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you have to look at this in the context of a period that this is all is happening. You have a situation where America aren't involved in the war, where Dunkirk has happened, and also the fall of France, you know, the French Third Republic. It was like kicking in a rotten door there. You know, these are huge powers, uh, European powers, and we're a small island. So there's a huge sense of vulnerability. Now, I mean... It's one of the great mood points of this period. How great was the threat of Operation Green? It's kind of been established, and when you look back and you listen to what Colonel Dan Bryan has had to say on it, that by and large, this is going to be a feint, really. It's going to be a diversionary attack on Ireland in order to, I suppose, attack Britain, a pincer style movement where they can attack from two fronts, then, you know, and the, and the real force will be unleashed on the south of England, on Southampton and, uh, and Dover and places like that. That Ireland is really only a diversionary tactic. But it also. People are mindful that at this period as well, you have Northern Ireland, you know, and you have the fact that it's involved in the war as a belligerent. Uh, you have American forces stationed in Derry and you have various British regiments in the six counties. You, you, you also have a lot of uh, clandestine cooperation that's not quite as well known at the time. You have the uh, the Erin Corridor, which l- allowed flying boats to fly out over uh, Loch Ern, over Ballyshannon and Bundoran out to the sea there for the Battle of the Atlantic. All these things are happening. So, you know, history, I suppose, is written after the fact, you know, perhaps the government at the time didn't want to say how vulnerable they really were, but you did have various help from the Allies on the island of Ireland that undoubtedly would have been brought into play had there been any sort of an attempt at an invasion in the 26 counties.
0: Mark, thank you very much indeed for talking to us. Mark McMenamin there uh, talking about Operation Green and the Nazis' various plans to make use of Ireland during the Second World War. Mark's book is called Codebreaker. It looks uh, in detail at G2, German spies in Ireland and, of course, in particular, Dr. Richard Hayes and his efforts to break Nazi ciphers. It's published by Gill Books.